Hi, my name is Mark Riggins, and I'm pastor here at LifePoint, located in Plano, Texas, and we meet here every Sunday at 1030, and we are here for your family. I hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Well, good morning. It is so good to see you all. Would you all, in reverence to God's word, stand with me? I want us to start off today by saying our memory verse in this series. If you don't yet know it, you just get to read it. Let's all say it out loud together. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, Isaiah 7, 14. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the promise from hundreds of years before you even sent your son Jesus, you gave us this promise that you would send him so that we could have a relationship with you. And God, we know you're in this room today. We're gonna open your word and we just ask that we would hear what you have to say to us today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Now, we're going to look in a minute at a book in the Bible called Philippians. It's in the New Testament, Philippians chapter four. You can go ahead and turn there if you like. But first, I want us to kind of kick off by asking a question to kind of get an idea of where you like to shop. Because this is Christmas season, right? So Saturday is Christmas, Friday is Christmas Eve, and I love what uh, Sean was just reminding us. Man, it, it is this Friday at four and six, identical services. We wanna invite you to come and be part of that. But here's the question I want you to ask your neighbor here in just a second. If you could receive a gift card this Christmas, spouses, I might be helping you out, I might not, I don't know, and it could be from any store, what store would you hope to receive a gift card? From which store would you hope to receive a gift card, all right? All right, take 10 seconds and ask someone sitting beside you, go ahead. Hey, those of you who are online, go ahead and make the comment in the, uh, go ahead and, uh, in the comment section. Just let us know what store you're most interested in receiving a gift card from. I love to read those later in the day. It's good to have you here with us today. All right, let's start on this side today, and you can just shout it out. What store would you love to receive a gift card from this year? Go ahead. Did, did, all right, let's try it again. One more time. Ready? A little louder. Did you say iPod? The first person, who are you? What are you saying? Best Buy. Best Buy. Okay. You're wanting some electronics this year. Yeah, I'm with you. That's, that's a good man. All right, here, right here. What would you like? <laughs> hey, in it all, I heard her say Tiffany's. Come on. Husbands, pray. All right. Right here, best store you'd like to receive a gift card from? All right, I heard a guy say Shields and another one say Cabela's. All right, so we got Tiffany's. All right, this is kind of stereotypical here so far. Right here, first best store you'd like to receive a gift card from? Who would it be? Amazon and Home Depot. And where was it? Nordstrom. All right, right here, favorite store? Did I hear half price books? Nice, nice. That's my kind of friend. All right, right here, favorite store, where would you like to receive a gift card? Did you say Joanne Fabrics? 
Wow, that's awesome. My wife would like you. Did somebody say Ross? Oh, Brahms. <laughs> that's awesome. Hey, that's the best one, Brahms. I can afford Brahms a lot quicker than Tiffany's. All right. Here's what we're talking, as we look, there's all kinds of gifts, right? We're looking, we're preparing for Christmas this year and it's an exciting time of year. And then let's be honest, for some of us, man, this year's just different. There's stuff going on in our lives where, with our jobs, there's stuff going on with family conflict, there's stuff going on with people who aren't gonna be here this year that we miss or things that the Christmas plans have just gotten changed. Maybe there's conflict or dysfunction that's happening. And man, it just feels different, right? And here's what we're talking about in this series. There is one overarching theme to all of the Christmas story that we don't want to miss regardless of if this is great or this is tough this year. And it is summed up in three words, these three words, and that is God with us. He not only wants to save us, he wants to know us and to be with us. And in this week, this season of Advent, as we approach the Christmas season, may we take time to recognize he wants to be with you. He just wants to spend time with you. He wants us to open up our lives and our hearts and our minds. Even while we're shopping for friends at Brahms. He wants to be with you. He loves you. He cares for you. Look, it turns out God is not against you. He, he, he's not apart from you. He's not apathetic about you and your pain. In fact, it's the opposite. God is for you. He sees you. He's actually empathetic and he leans in with the brokenhearted and the crushed in spirit and those who have pain. He is a loving God who is with you and you can go nowhere where he isn't alongside you. And what a powerful promise when we embrace this true spirit of Christmas. And so as we've been going through the series, we've been talking about God is with us and how is that relevant? Well, that means he's with us in my disappointment. And some of us have that this year. It means he's with us in our envy. And sometimes Christmas is the most envious time of the year, right? And today what we're going to see the relevance of God with us is God is with us in our anxiety. In our anxiety. Is there a topic that is more talked about in our culture right now than anxiety? Turns out it's been around forever. We just seem to talk about it a little more in these days. And I just want to right out of the gate say that for some of us here today, we're going to need more than one sermon on this topic, okay? So if you'll let me off the hook, I'm asking for it right out of the gate. But I do want to say this. All of us struggle with anxiety at some level, but some of us more than others. And every single week, one of the reasons we come together is to carry each other's burdens and I want you to know after every service, we invite you to the back of this room where you can have people pray with you. We want to do that every single week. It's always available because we want to carry the, we can't walk this world alone. This is a broken world we all walk in and anxiety is a very real part of this journey. And here's the problem though. Anxiety, it costs us too much if left unchecked. It costs us relationships it impacts our own personal peace and it will limit our potential or our purpose in this life. And that, frankly, is just too much of a cost to let it go unchecked. And so this week, I actually asked on my Facebook and Instagram, what gives you anxiety? And here are just a few of the things that you guys said. The Cowboys, 
pop quiz is from my pastor. This is a staff member who shall remain nameless. The frayed end of a shoelace. I'm not gonna tell you his name, Shane. Pastors that ask questions about anxiety, oversleeping, enough bill, money for the bills, deadlines. Dentist, come on, right? If you're a dentist, we love you, but. Needles, public speaking crowds, fear of being underprepared, so forth. Past hurts, expectations of others, and this was a real common one, the unknown future. Well, it turns out, we all struggle with it at some point, but we probably struggle with it at different levels. It was a week and a half ago that the Surgeon General here in America actually issued a public health advisory saying there was a looming mental health crisis among teenagers because since the pandemic began, teenagers are now struggling with anxiety at twice the level they were before the pandemic. And now, according to this report, 20% of students show signs of anxiety. 20%, one in five. Now, some of us have, if, if, if it's not a big struggle for us, we have family members that it's a big struggle for, don't we? And, and we love these family members and we see how debilitating it can be for them. My sister's one of those people and, and her and I were talking about it this week and she struggled with anxiety in a severe way for many years and, and, and for her, it, it's, it's impacted her life in deep ways and, and whether it's her job, whether it's her marriage, whether it's relationships and things that she can do, can't do, and daily medication. And for her, there are triggers like crowds and stress and an and, uh, and, and unknown future. Those are kinds of things that, that really seem to initiate her anxiety. And, and maybe you have somebody in your family who struggles with anxiety in a very severe way. And, and the question then becomes, well, what exactly is anxiety? Because we hear that defined very differently. And I just want to say, I bet if we were to take a poll here, we would define it differently as well. I, I bet there would be a lot of similarities and I bet there would be some differences. We might say, well, it's, it's, it's worry or it's a type of fear or, but yet there might be some differences. And, and I think there would be a, a, an interesting variety of definitions. And I just want to say this, I believe the Bible tells us how to respond to anxiety regardless of how we define it. And so I just want us to focus on what the Bible says. And here's what I think you'll be tempted to do if you're like me. You're going to be thinking and you're going to kind of be arguing in your head and you're going to be thinking, yeah, but Mark, if you just knew my situation, if you just knew the details of my problem that caused my anxiety, and I just want to tell you, you're probably right. Your circumstances are unique. Your details are unique to you. But... Could you just consider that the God who created you wrote the passage we're about to read knowing the circumstances that you would be in and I'm going to trust that he has something to say to you today. But I want to give a caveat. Anxiety is not going away. The truth is you're going to return to work this week or school next year. You're going to prepare for Christmas this week. And all of a sudden, anxiety is going to rear its ugly head like it always does, right? Because on this side of heaven, we're going to walk in a world full of anxiety, whether it's in us or the people around us. And so here's the question I want us to wrestle with today. If anxiety is here to stay, how does God want me to respond to it? What does God call me to do 
Now, I don't know where you've learned about anxiety. Maybe you've done some research on it. Maybe you've read some medical journals or maybe you've read some books. Maybe you've gone to WebMD, Google. You watch 60 Minutes if you're old like me. I mean, wherever you go to find and learn about these things, I don't know where that would be for you. But let me just tell you what we're gonna do today. I'm a pastor, so I'm gonna stay in my lane and we're just gonna see what the Bible says about it. And so if you aren't typically a person who goes to church and maybe you're here and you're just visiting because somebody promised you they're gonna take you to Brahms afterwards. And, and by the way, get the double meat, get something nice, you've earned it, you're here today. I just wanna to say to you, we're gonna open up the Bible and see what it says so that you get to consider what God says about this topic. Because God who made us, I believe, has the best insight for us. So one more time, here's our question. If anxiety is here to stay, how does God want me to respond to it? And here's the problem, here's the problem. The biggest problem, it turns out, is not our problem. Our biggest problem is the problem plus anxiety, right? It amplifies the problem. And as we said, it costs us relationships, it costs us our potential, and it costs us our peace, and it's too much. So what does God have to say about it? Well, let's look. In the most well-known passage when it comes to anxiety in all of Scripture, it's found in Philippians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible there in the pew you can find through the table of contents, the book of Philippians, and turn with me to chapter 4 today. I hope you'll look at it today. But you got to know the context of this particular book or this letter because it will make what Paul is about to say, who wrote the book, come to life. Some of you were here in a series that we went through, the book of Acts. In the book of Acts chapter 16, we saw a story of this man named Paul. If you go, now who's Paul again? Paul's the guy who became a Christian in the first century and he turned his life around. You know why his life completely changed? Because he met this man named Jesus. And he didn't believe in Jesus or that it was possible for this man to rise from the dead, but then he had an encounter with the risen Jesus. And when you have an encounter with the risen Jesus, everything changes. And Paul suddenly had a purpose and a power in his life, and he couldn't stop telling everybody about this risen Jesus. And it became so controversial because people either responded to it or they, uh, they became um, very obstinate and resistant to Paul, even became uh, abusive toward Paul. So Paul, he can't help himself, he's so excited about telling people about Jesus, that he goes on these trips. We saw three different missionary trips, and if you remember in Acts 16, he's on his second missionary trip, and we'll look at this map. He started from Israel here, he goes up, and he goes all the way over, he crosses Troas, and he ends up over here in the city of Philippi, and he plants a church where there had not been a church, there weren't Christians, and this turns out to be the very first church planted in Europe. But what happens here is fascinating because as Paul plants this church in Europe, we come down here, we see first there's experience with Lydia, Bible study, real powerful, and then there's this crazy experience with these people who are demon-possessed, like it seems like there's like something going on that's more powerful that even Paul can realize. And then Paul and Silas is with him, and Luke, of course, is recording all this. He ends up beaten, and they are thrown into jail. And while they're in jail, you may remember, this is when... There's this earthquake, jail opens and they don't go and it's this incredible story of God's providence even in that moment. 
All this stuff is happening over and over in a unique way in Philippi. There's more resistance here. There's something going on that seems spiritual. There's some kind of attack. All happening in Philippi. Here's why that's important. Because 10 years later, up in Rome, Paul ends up in house arrest in a jail. And he decides, he's 800 miles away, to write a letter back to Philippi from a Roman jail. He writes the people at Philippi. And that letter he wrote them is the letter you have there in your lap, this 2,000-year-old letter called Philippians. He's writing to the people at Philippi. Here's why that's all important. Because it's personal for Paul. These people went through some stuff They were on the battle lines together in such a, just sort of being a completely opposed way for so long. The odds were so against them that he had a special love for these people there in Philippi. And so he writes back to these people and one of the things he addresses, he goes, I know in this season you have a lot of anxiety. People are opposing you, you have all this opposition. And I want to tell you two things that you should do to respond in a way that honors God. And I think if Paul were here today, he would look at all of us and he goes, look, I know in 2021 with the pandemic, with the holidays and all that's going on with political division, I know there's a lot of anxiety. And Paul, I believe, would once again say, here are two things that you can do to respond to your anxiety. So with that said, let's look at what Paul has to say I think is extremely helpful. Philippians chapter four, and let's look at verse four. Paul says, from a prison, rejoice in the Lord always. That's not what I would have expected him to say, from a prison. I will say it again, rejoice. And right here, Paul is telling us that the reason we exist is to enjoy God. We exist to enjoy God. Now, when should we enjoy God? Always. In other words, you will be happiest, most fulfilled, and feel most purposeful when you are enjoying God. Now here's a question. Do you enjoy God every moment of every day? You can say no, that's okay. You look back over this week, did you enjoy God every day? I I, I think of my own life and the question is, if that's when I'm happiest, if that's when I am most fulfilled, then why in the world would there be days when I don't enjoy God, when I don't do the very thing I was created to do? And Paul's about to say, one of the big reasons that we don't enjoy God is because of anxiety. That there's something powerful about anxiety that cheats us from doing the very thing we want to do and have been created to do. Now that's a pretty high cost. And now he's going to tell us the two things that we can do in response. But first, he gives us a promise. Look at verse 5. It says, let your gentleness be evident to all. And then say these next four words out loud with me. Say it with me. The Lord is near. Now there's our promise. There's our Christmas theme that God is with us. Now this has a double meaning because it means not only is the Lord near you now, but the Lord's return is near as well. The Lord is near. Paul is in a prison and is able to say, hey, here's one thing I know, though I'm in house arrest, the Lord is near. And I want to tell you, Philippians, I know you're struggling, but I can promise you the Lord is near. Now here's why that's so important. 
Because I believe we, according to the Bible, all have an enemy. His name is Satan. And Satan is clever enough not to try to get you, if you follow Christ, he's not trying to get you to believe that God doesn't exist. He's not even trying, for the most part, to convince us that God isn't with us. Most of us walked in this morning believing that God is with us, and we will go through this week believing that God is with us, Emmanuel. Instead, what Satan does is says, sure, respond to Mark in believing that God is with us. And how do you look this morning? What do they think about you? Are you prepared for work? What about the bills you have coming up? What about your kids? How are they behaving compared to theirs? Their grandkids, you saw what they posted. Hey, what about, is your job even satisfying you? What about your retirement? Do you have enough money for retirement? And these are things you thought before the service started this morning, right? Somebody once said that their average person has 35,000 decisions they have to make every day. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's a lot. See, you'd never at any point decided that God doesn't exist. You never at any point decided God isn't with you. Instead, the pressures of our life cause us to lose focus of God's nearness. And this is where our enemy is so clever. The Satan, he doesn't have to convince you that God isn't with you. He just overwhelms you so your challenges are more visible to you than your God. Yeah, God is with us. I believe that. But have I told you about my challenges lately? I I know God exists. But I don't know what they think about me. I I have a past that I'm ashamed of. I'm worried about tomorrow. And all of a sudden, I didn't ever disbelieve in God with us. I just lose sight of it. I lose sight of his nearness. You see, it turns out there's an age-old trick. We see it all throughout scripture and all throughout our own lives. That Satan wants to distract us with two things. He wants to distract us with the regrets of yesterday and the worries of tomorrow. The regrets of yesterday and the worries of tomorrow. I see some of you nodding your head because you're like, oh man, that is an exhausting journey that we're all on, right? I mean, this is the way it works with the regrets of yesterday. When you think about something and then all of a sudden you hear that lizard brain, all of a sudden you feel... You feel the Lord, or you feel Satan countering what the Lord's calling you to do and saying, come on, you know who you are. You know what you've done. Everybody knows what you've done. And all of a sudden, the regrets of your past. Or or when we think about the worries of tomorrow, we have that what if. Yeah, but what what if this doesn't work out? What if this happens to your family? What if this problem comes up? And all of a sudden, we're paralyzed between the regrets of yesterday and the worries of tomorrow. And the truth is, either way, we lose sight of the Lord's nearness because anxiety, it is present tense. It is in this moment. God is with us. He is right now. He is in your presence. He is near. God with us is present tense. But on the flip side, you know what anxiety does? Anxiety, it never helps us with tomorrow. It doesn't empty tomorrow of its problems. It empties today of its strength. And all of a sudden, all I've done is cause, I've missed out on God's presence 
here today by wasting energy that doesn't help for tomorrow. And this is what Paul is saying. The Lord is near. Now I'm thinking, I would love to know what Jesus has to say about this issue. After all, he's God the Son. He was there when we were created. What would he say about this idea? Well, I'm glad you asked because he actually speaks about this very specific thing in the most famous message he ever gave. I want you to see it in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter chapter 6. You can hold your finger there at Philippians 4. But Matthew chapter 6, it says in verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body. Hey, would you just read this out loud with me? Help me out, would you? Uh, Where do we stop? Okay, what you will wear, instead, read this out loud, is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away. And yet, are you not, can anyone, isn't that, thank you so much. Isn't that great? I love this, this is my favorite part. Look to the birds, don't you love that? In other words, don't you think sometimes that Jesus is saying, you're worried about tomorrow and you have no control over tomorrow. The birds aren't worried about tomorrow and I got it covered. In the same way, he's inviting us to the same thing, to recognize that he loves us more than them and he will care for what tomorrow brings. Now, as a believer, there's a distinctive reason he wants us to be unique. Look down at verse 32 and thank you for reading it out. Verse 32, say it with me. For the pagans, therefore, isn't that great? There's so much in this. Now here are two promises that Jesus just gave us. I hope you caught it. Number one, God cares. He cares about you and what you have in your life right now. He's aware of what the birds and their needs. But if he cares, but he couldn't do anything about it, it doesn't do any good. But the beauty Jesus just revealed is God not only cares, but God is capable. He cares about you and he's capable to give you what you need in this season. Now that's a pretty good promise, isn't it? Now here's why that matters. And this is the bottom line. If you hear nothing else, I hope you'll hear this. When we recognize that God with us means our anxiety can be overshadowed by God's care and capability. Now I want that to stay up so you can just look at that for a minute and consider what that means in your life. But here's how a normal Sunday morning service can often take place for most of us, if we're honest, we walk in and we have some anxiety that we can see and we know God is with us. We didn't stop believing that. But all I can see is the pain and the conflict and the worry and the stuff that's coming up or the stuff in the past. It is so in my focus. 
And then I show up at a church service like this where other believers show up. And I begin to be just a little bit encouraged because of your faith. And you're here and you're believing despite your pain. And then we start singing songs like we just sang. And all of a sudden I remember that Jesus is the light of the world in darkness, including my darkness. And that he's been faithful and he will be faithful. And after a while you hear this raspy voice preacher up there talking and he's talking about God cares and God is capable and you remember that the Lord is near. And then we sing a little bit more and then you walk out and you pat somebody on the back and you borrow from their faith and they borrow from yours. And when you leave, everything is flipped upside down. You still have your anxiety, but you have a new perspective that he cares and that he's capable and that's in your focus and your perspective has changed and now you have enough to get through another week. Can I just say, it's one of the reasons why we gather, we were never in intended to do this alone. We need each other. Amen. <clears throat> and I'll just take it a step further. For those of you who are online, we are so grateful to have you with us. And if you're in that place where because of health reasons, you can't be here, we're so grateful that we get to stay connected. But if you've gotten out of the habit of coming, can I tell you, that's what you're missing. And we wanna say, come on back. Come and enjoy what God does to us when we shift our perspective and we see once again, he cares for you. We would love to see you back here again and back here again soon. All right, amen. Now for many of us who are here today, whether it's us or somebody we know, we have family members who struggle with anxiety to the point that they need this daily medication. And when I was talking to my sister this week, so one of the things that she said was, initially I felt really guilty a few years ago when I began this because I believed that somehow I lacked faith. And I just wanna to say to you, if that's you, you're not having to choose between medication and God's care, just like you don't have to choose between your blood pressure and God's care. Sometimes God gives us these things as part of his care and I want to say to you, though we are for you, whatever situation you are in, I would encourage you not to let whatever medical resources that are available to cause you to keep from still pursuing God's care and his capability. That this is a beautiful marriage where we continue to trust whatever we do in his nearness along the journey. So I asked my sister, I said, well, Marcy, what's most helpful for you? At the end of the day, because we're, we're still looking at this question, if anxiety exists, then what is it that God wants me to do in response? And that was what she said. She said, prayer. Without a doubt, prayer is the thing that helps me the most. And this is, I said, Paul has two responses for us. And this is the first one, is to pray intentionally. And now here's the verse I've been wanting you to see. It is without a doubt the single most well-known verse in all of scripture when it comes to this issue of anxiety. So look with me at Philippians chapter four, verse six, it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Some people summarize this verse this way. Be anxious about nothing, be prayerful about everything, and be thankful for anything. Be anxious about nothing, be prayerful for everything, and be thankful for anything. Now, if I'm honest, 
The way my enemy likes to shift my focus, it goes like this. I'll be anxious for everything. I'll pray for some things. And I'll be thankful for a few things. And all of a sudden, I'm still doing the three things, but I've just turned it upside down. And this is what Paul is reminding us. And then he says this at the end. I love this. Present your request to God. Or essentially what he's saying is, present your anxiety to God. Did you know that your anxiety, it will be presented somewhere to someone. It's not as if it's going to be received, you're going to feel it, and then it just goes away. Oh, it's stored up for someone somewhere. It may come out in an argument with your spouse or a relationship with your kids or with a coworker. It may come out where you medicate with food or alcohol. It may come out where you exhaust yourself by putting on a mask or you may go, go into some kind of depression, but your anxieties will come out. And here's what Paul is saying. The best way to deal with it is to present it all to God. Now, some of us have learned how to pray properly and some of us have learned how to pray effectively and they aren't always the same thing. It's David, if you remember, all throughout the psalmist, this man could pray the most raw prayer and he just laid it all out there and he just said, God, here's the things I don't like, here's the things I don't agree with, here's where I think you've gotten it wrong, here's where I'm telling you what I'm going through and I just think you need to know it. And it's not as if God ever goes, Whoa, David, I didn't know that was in you. Or David, I don't want the angels to hear you, right? Like he is, says, in fact, God said this about David, the one who prayed the most raw prayers. God said, now that's a man after my own heart. So I want to ask you, when was the last time you prayed a rated R prayer? When was the last time you went and just let God have it? And you presented it all to God, this is what Paul says. He goes, Philippians, I know what you've been through. I was beaten and thrown in a jail there unjustly. Don't you think Paul said, God, what are you doing? God, I love you, I know you're with me, but I don't understand this. It doesn't make any sense to me. I think God invites us to trust him with what we feel and what we think and where we're confused. Lay it all out there and present it to him. Now here's the promise. When we do that, look at verse seven. <coughs> Would you read this with me? Read it out loud with me, please. And the peace of God, which transcends. <laughs> you guys are awesome. All right, so with that said, peace of God is what we all want. I want you to see this blank. This next blank simply says, in my anxiety, I am anxious about what is that for you? When you came in this morning, I believe you were given a three by five card. Would you take that card right now? And would you fill in the blank? Maybe for you, it's something trivial. It feels trivial, kind of embarrassed. Can I just say God cares about it all? Or maybe it's something you don't want your neighbor to see. <clears throat> it's just too personal. Just write a symbol or something that cues you as to what this is. But would you write down, what is it that you're anxious about today? You see, peace is not about understanding my circumstance. Peace is about giving my circumstance to God. And this is what Paul is inviting us to do. Would you just take a minute to write that down? Now, we come back to our question again. 
if anxiety is here to stay, how does God want me to respond to it? We've already seen that he wants us to pray intentionally, but Paul's about to say, here's the second thing. Here it is. I want you to think intentionally. Now you go, think intentionally? That doesn't sound very powerful. The truth is our thoughts consume us, don't they? And much of our culture says you can't control what you think. And Paul in all of scripture says it's actually just the opposite. You absolutely have the power to control what you spend time thinking about. In fact, he says, Paul says, you should take your thoughts captive. A thought may have popped in your mind you didn't want, but it's ours to decide how long it stays there. And we don't have to go down a thought pathway. We choose to go down thought pathways. And Paul is saying, take your thoughts captive and make sure you become the kind of person, and and this won't happen overnight, but we become the kind of person who thinks intentionally. In fact, he goes on in verse eight to say, finally, brothers and sisters, oh, he loves these people in Philippi. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. Spend time on those things. I don't know what your, if you look back at just this morning, would you say your thought life has been able to fit those categories? Or as you look back at your thought life, has it been other categories? And maybe God is inviting you to begin to think intentionally, to fill your mind with the kinds of thoughts that are true, that are admirable, that are excellent, that are praiseworthy. It's one of the reasons we want to fill our mind with God's word. It's one of the reasons we memorize verses with every series so that we begin to have a database of scripture in our mind that we can recall when we need it because we want to be able to control our thinking. Our thinking can and should lead our emotions. But we've got to think right. We've got to be intentional. It begins so often in the mind. And so with that said, let's look at our verse again that we're memorizing together. And would you say it out loud with me? Isaiah chapter seven, verse 14. One more time, say it with me. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to us and call him Emmanuel. Isaiah And what does Emmanuel mean? God with us. You guys got it. Now let's just be real honest as we wrap this up. This isn't a one and done thing, is it? It's not as if we get to say, good, I solved anxiety this week. But instead, I wanna say when anxiety shows back up, because we know it will, Paul says, here's how we respond. We become people who pray intentionally and we think intentionally. And maybe it's a moment where we just begin to say, you know what, I need to own this truth God is with me. Enjoy the fact that the Lord is near you. And this week when you're getting ready for Christmas, the family's coming or they're not coming, and you feel what you're going to feel, maybe you need to begin to whisper out loud, God is with me. What is he inviting me into this season? Just spend some time asking him. So would you just say God is with me? Just say it out loud with me. Say that with me. God is with me. Say that over and over. God, you're with me. God, you're with me. Let's change the way we think. Let's change the way we pray. Let's change the way we live by being people who respond to anxiety, which is inevitable, 
by praying intentionally and thinking intentionally. I want to give you a last bit of good news. Lest you think Paul was not affected by this challenge, it's only two chapters earlier in Philippians 2 where he actually tells us that he struggles with anxiety. And he's not in any way saying it's going away and you shouldn't struggle with it anymore. In fact, I think he's instead suggesting there's just a really good way to respond to it. And so he wraps it up in verse 9. He says, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, these are these folks in Philippians, or seen in me, he says, now put it into practice. In other words, this isn't something you should already know how to do or that you can fix today. This is something we put into practice. We're going to pray differently. We're going to think differently. And then he says, and the God of peace will be with you. God with us. God with us. And when it comes to anxiety, here's what we know. God with us means that our anxiety can be overshadowed by God's great care and his strong capability. So we want to end a little differently today. We want to do something on your way in. You were given those cards. I hope you've had a chance to write down what it is that you might be wrestling with in this season. And in a minute, we're going to stand and we're going to close with a song that we're going to get to sing together. And with that card, what I want to invite you to do while you're standing in a minute is just to present your anxiety to God. And just pray right where you are. Just lay it out there. Tell him what's on your heart right now. Let him know. Connect with him in that way in the very real moment. And some of you, though, you need a little extra support. And this is where we live in this real broken world. And we want to offer it to you. If you look at the back of the auditorium right now, there are people who are standing back there, pastors, Stephen's ministers. And we want to do this. We want to give you an opportunity when we're standing. You can either stay where you are and you can stand and pray. Or... You can walk down the aisle back to one of them and you take your car to them and you hand it to them and let them pray for your anxiety and present it to the Lord with you. But let's turn this place into a group of people who are going to trust what Paul said and let's present our anxieties to him today, okay? So with that said, would you all stand? I'm going to pray. And then I want to invite you to pray right where you stand or walk back to the back and present your anxieties to the Lord. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the promise that you are near us, that you are with us, regardless of disappointment, of envy, of anxiety. May we lean into your care and your capability. And may we turn this moment May we turn this room into a place where our anxieties are be presented to you and we sense that you are carrying them with us from here today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope today's message was an encouragement to you. And if you'd like a little more information about our church, just visit us on our website at lifepointplano.org.